We want Dallas. We want Dallas. Are the cheers that rang through the air a couple of weeks ago by Washington football team fans. Well, question is, do they really want Dallas? Dallas is playing with a full deck now. So, it's going to be interesting. And I guess the question will get answered when the clock strikes 0 0 0 in the fourth quarter after Sunday's game. So, how do we feel about the game? With all that's been going around, back and forth banter, guarantees of victory, and the desire to play. A team that has arguably one of the top five offenses in the league. Well, let's get into it. Hello and thank you for listening and tuning in to the Armchair Champion podcast. This is Tori, the Armchair Champion, uh, coming to you to talk ahead of uh, Sunday afternoon's game at FedEx Field between the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, um, we are facing uh, the Washington football team amid a lot of mm-hmm. media back and forth, media chatter, a lot of sound bites. Um So, basically, all the things you would expect in a typical rivalry week. This game is, to some degree, well, this game is pretty important uh, as far as the division goes. Primarily because the Dallas Cowboys can pull away with another victory here. Uh, You have the Washington football team uh, sitting at, I believe, 5-7, and and Dallas at 8-4 with a uh, three-game lead over Washington and I think a two-game lead over Philadelphia. So if the Dallas Cowboys can pull off the victory, pull away just that much further, and in my opinion, they would really just need to win at least one more divisional game to basically, I don't know what the formula is going to be, especially with the new playoffs, uh, with the new uh, playoff system and the extra game factored in. But um, uh, in my opinion, I think if Dallas can win this game and they can pull off another victory against Philly, um, uh, they can basically wrap up the division in that regard. Um, but it may be more going into it. This is sheer speculation on my end. Um, so, for a couple of weeks now, um, well, at least maybe one one week uh, that I know of, after the uh, Washington football team, they uh, defeated the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that the Dallas Cowboys struggled to defeat and struggled to play and lost to, primarily in my opinion, because there was too much regulation, a lot of flags flew on that in that game. And I've covered this, but, you know, I think a lot of flags flew and a lot of things did not fall in the Cowboys' favor. And also, those flags came off of some unfortunate uh, plays that should have been bottled up by the defensive coordinator, in my opinion. But I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. The Washington football team defeated the Raiders. It was a two-point victory. 
Um, and then you started seeing video surface uh, football team fans chanting and shouting, we want Dallas. Well, they say that. And though the Cowboys have had a rough November, I mean, like it's been a rough stretch in November. Um, hopefully they can bounce back this month, uh, the month of December. Hopefully it's not like the typical Decembers have been in the past where the Cowboys hit a skid at that point in time. But um, hopefully we can bounce back and come back stronger, especially with the lineup we have. We have four division games out of the next five weeks coming. The only game we have outside of the division coming up is against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so. Football fan, te- football team fans, they uh, what I like to call them the Washington nondescripts, or the Washington enter your enter name here's. Um, they want Dallas, but um, Dallas has had one of the top defense, I'm not defense, but one of the top offenses in the league. Uh, top five, I think the last time I checked, it was like one of the top three, but definitely in the top five. A top five offense all season. Um, mm-hmm. On top of that, we've had a uh, a defense that has been looking very good. Um, in fact, they honestly kept us in the Saints game, in my opinion. Um, but between that mm-hmm. and we're finally getting our defense back uh, full strength. Neville Gallimore and Randy Gregory are being activated from the uh, from the injured reserve roster, and they're set to play in the game. Um, we very well may be without Tony Pollard. Um, apparently, he uh, had an inter- injury to plantar fasciitis, uh, citing a plantar fasciitis injury. Um, and as of today, they brought up. Uh, Jaquan Hardy from the practice squad and I believe he'll be behind or he'll be behind Corey Clements who's next up on the roster uh so Ezekiel Elliott will have him and we'll have Clements and then Jaquan Hardy on the roster uh this coming Sunday uh Pollard's still a game time decision but um looks like from all angles they're preparing to possibly be without Pollard um that's the only injury on the report outside of that. The Dallas Cowboys are pretty much locked and loaded. Again, the Cowboys are playing with a full deck, especially on that defense that we've wondered um, how they would look at full strength. We're going to get to see that this coming Sunday against the Washington football team. So it's going to be interesting, and if – that defense can basically be what it was before we started getting the rashes of rash of injuries. And then COVID walked up and down the team and staff. Um, then I think we're going to look very good. Uh, hopefully on the offensive side of the football, Dak Prescott is, you know, doing good. And I know he had a, he had had it pretty rough this past, these uh, past few weeks. Um, Honestly, in the Saints game, he did fare, although there were some throws he probably wishes he could have had back and some throws that could have gone for touchdowns and first downs that didn't make it to the receiver. Um, Maybe they were out of sync somehow, out of tune. Um, Maybe the rhythm wasn't there. But either way, the offense hasn't been exactly clicking. Um, 
the uh, offensive line. They've had their struggles between the rotation and, you know, just trying to fill in for a Connor Williams who's been drawing penalties for holding um, for the most part. So it's the, the offense has kind of been out of sorts a little bit like the defense, honestly, has been solid, you know, even with uh, missing pieces, um, the exception of the Raiders game, uh, the defense has been pretty good. But um, the offense, hopefully they're back in a rhythm. They're back to form. They're back to what they were at the beginning of the season. Uh, if we can get that offense back to form, I, uh, I believe fully and I'm fully confident if we can get it back to that form that it was at the beginning of the season, the Cowboys can basically the Cowboys can make it a, a fireworks spectacle, so to speak, um, on offense. But it all depends on that line manning tune. And me, myself, I will start at the line. I have always been a firm believer that plays, no matter how many skill players you put on the field, no matter how many skill positions you have that you excel at, plays live and die at the line of scrimmage. They live and die in the trenches. So on each side of the ball, offensive and defensive, you have to be able to win the trench battle. Now, the offensive line before it went through its issues, um, say around like mid-league op- October, uh, the offensive line was looking good. Um, of course, we had Lyle Collins on the suspension and Terrence Steele. He stepped up very, very well at right tackle in his stead. So when Tyron Smith suffered... Uh, a lower extremity injury, like ankle injury or something of that nature, they decided to swing Terrence Steele to left tackle. Now, me personally, and again, I, I go back to training camp. Me personally, I would have rather seen a guy like Isaac Alarcon come in. Primarily because Isaac Alarcon's been solid. You know, of course, he's got to fine-tune some things. We all understand that. But he's been solid at the left tackle position. And I know the question will likely be, well, who are you going to cut to bring him up? Well, I mean, I honestly wouldn't have a direct answer for that. But this will be a time where they would honestly need to take a serious, hard look at who they could look to replace. And honestly, I now that I think about it, they probably could they probably could place in Ty and Seki on the practice squad so they could cut him and then bring him to the practice squad likely to give Alarcon space on the depth chart. But that's just my opinion. They used Terrence Steele as a swing tackle. They moved him from right where he was doing well and turning some heads to left. And he had a rough go of it, a rough go against Kansas City. Um, had a rough go of it. Uh, I believe he had a rough go against Oakland. In fact, um, Oh, was it? No, I don't think he played Oakland. I think Tyron Smith was playing during the Oakland game. But um, he notably had a rough go against Denver and Kansas City um, as left tackle. So when you add those things up, it's, uh, it's pretty evident he's a lot better at the right tackle position. Um, the left tackle position was failing him. Um, I think if you, you're good at one spot, you shouldn't mess up the chemistry or the rotation. 
Um, to that degree, Terrence Steele basically had a chemistry with the line in the absence of Lyle Collins. Now, Lyle Collins comes back off of suspension, and then they're trying to find ways to incorporate Lyle Collins and bring him back. And he's been doing okay. Um, of course, I think uh, he had some some faux pas, and he still needed to get his footing back because, after all, he was on the sidelines for six weeks. He was on the sidelines for six weeks plus a bye week. Um. So I think he still had to get his footing back, but um, they and they had him behind Terrence Steele because Terrence Steele was doing so good and he had that chemistry. But the rotate the rotations in and out of the line mm-hmm. and um, with uh, what's happened with say Connor Williams where they pulled him and put in Connor McGovern because Connor Williams was good for at least two holding penalties a game. And at least two of those games, they were during two-minute drills that were slowing and and stalling drives. And you don't want that. Um, As much as I have criticized Connor Williams for, you know, getting blown off the line and things of that nature, he gets a bull rush and he's – or he faces a a rusher or faces someone on the defensive line and he gets uh, basically put in the lap of the quarterback – um, he's done well this season in games outside of the holding penalties. He's done well this season. I really haven't really had too much to say about him, Connor Williams. But as much as I hate to admit it because of how I feel Connor Williams, I think personally he's too light at guard, but he's done well at guard this season. And I think the line misses him for the most part in that regard. Connor McGovern's been serviceable at best, but I think Connor Williams works better in the run game. Like if you wanted to use him sort of like as a fullback um, in what they have the on the offense, that Hulk package or even the inverted wishbone, I think that's Connor McGovern. That's the way you want to use a Connor McGovern. If you have a healthy line, if your line is healthy and intact, I think that's what you want Connor McGovern. Now, if it came to it where his services are needed on the line, yes, you'll put him there. But if the line top to bottom is healthy and able to play all its all of its uh, original intended starters, then I think Connor McGovern should go back to those packages where they bring him in, you know, because I think he does well at blocking out of the backfield. He's done great at that this season. It's been a breath of fresh air to see him be to see that happen, you know, because we barely use a running. I'm not running back, but a fullback. Um, I've been anxious to see this Nick Ralston rookie come in, and he's only been in really special teams anytime he was in a game that I've seen. But seeing a blocker come out of the backfield and the things that worked with that, with those packages, the inverted wishbone and the Hulk with Connor McGovern lead blocking. Those were excellent things. And I think he fits very well in those schemes as a backfield blocker. But overall, I think the offensive line misses uh, Connor Williams. Um, You've got Tyron Smith back. And then there's a debacle between having Steele and Collins in. So they say that both are going to be playing this coming Sunday. The question is, how are you going to work that out at right tackle? How does that work? Who's going to block for who? Uh, who are they going to rotate in and out? Because if you do that, that's going to mess with the chemistry. And you need that offensive line to have chemistry, especially with 
the football team's interior, um, the interior linemen. Sure, they're going to be missing Montez Sweat, and you have uh, Montez Sweat. Uh, he uh, apparently is out due to COVID after coming off of injury. So that's definitely unfortunate for him. And then you're missing Chase Young due to a torn ACL. He's done for the year. But those interior linemen are still effective. So how is that chemistry going to work when you're rotating linemen in and out? Even though I'm just talking about the right tackle position, but I'm also incorporating the left guard position. Because, again, you know, you need you, you need that interior so as to keep the pocket intact and not have to rush the quarterback throwing. And it's basically a domino effect, which goes back to the play living and dying in the trenches. And so you need everybody up and down that line to be consistent and have a chemistry. Now, hopefully they've come up with a plan and hopefully they've put the starting five back together. And they plan to incorporate, say, McGovern some way or some form or fashion. But the question still remains is how is it going to work between Steele and Collins? What are they going to do? That's going to be a nice question that has to be answered. But unfortunately, it won't be answered before kickoff. The game's going to have to progress for that question to be answered. So we'll see how that works out. But we need the offense back in chemistry, back in rhythm clicking on all cylinders. Hopefully they get back to that form. Hopefully Kellen Moore has got some things to uh to to sort of throw at the uh football team that they're not expecting or they can't seem to wrap their heads around. Um hopefully the offense can execute as a unit very well and more and as efficiently as they had before. Hopefully they get back on track. We just need that offense to get back on track. And get back to the scoring offense that they have been all season. Defensively, uh, I think this is that's probably the uh, feature presentation in this whole thing. Because we get back Neville Galmore in the interior. You're going to have Neville Galmore and Osa Odizua right there in the interior. That alone, especially with the way Osa has been playing in his rookie year of all things. He's been the surprise of the season for me. I fully expected Quentin Bohana to be that guy that sort of shines. But when they put in Osa and Osa's been doing what he's been doing, that has definitely been the surprise of the season for me on the defense on that line. Now, we do need to find a way to stop the running game. Um, Antonio Gibson's been eating up yardage this year. And, oh, yes, this season he's been doing well. He's Last I checked, he's in the top 10 in running, in a rushing, uh, running back position. But the big uh, question mark on that defense is basically stopping the running game. But we have Neville Gallimore back, and we'll have Odegizua in the interior. And then we'll have Randy Gregory back, along with having Demarcus Lawrence in the saddle and uh, – the uh, rookie, the rookie sensation, uh, Michael Parsons. So that front seven just got more interesting with these, with the uh, the lineup that's coming up. And I, for one, I'm, I'm 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 anxious to see what happens. But my biggest concern is stopping the run. But we have all these guys back. They and with them all together, I believe that they can wreak havoc. But we still have to be able to stop the running game. 
That's the biggest uh, concern, stopping the run. And honestly, at this point, I'm not sure about uh, the future of Leighton Van Der Esch on this team. Watching him, he's been either making business decisions or he's been a little too cautious or just hasn't been in place to make plays at the linebacker position. Um, I'm not sure Leighton Van Der Esch is... Like they haven't, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. And to date, I don't see them doing that at this. I honestly don't see them. It'll be a surprise personally, given his performance or from what I've been seeing on the field. But personally, I don't think they're going to bring him back. I think they're going to let him walk. Um, Maybe see what they've got with Jabril Cox. Maybe pick up another linebacker in the mid rounds in next year's draft. But. I'm not certain that Lane Van Der Esch is going to be uh, coming back. It's just he looks some kind, sometimes lost on some tackles or tackles where someone's running and he could have stopped them. He either took a bad angle or he might have second-guessed himself, overthought it, whiffed somewhere. But I'm not certain whether or not Leighton Van Der Esch might be back next year. I don't, I don't think so. And the worst part is, his rookie year was a great campaign. Like he had a great rookie year and looked like things were going were looking up from there. But the first time he got hurt, it looks like when he came back, he was a bit gun shy, a little shell shocked, and he didn't um, pan out um, over time. But I don't, I don't know if he comes back um, for Dallas after this season. But. We've got to do something on that line and even in the linebacking court to try to shore up the uh, run stopping, you know, to shore up stopping the run. Um, if we don't, and they're likely going to try to get Heineke and Gibson running all up and down the backs of the Dallas Cowboys, and we cannot have that. Um, in the secondary, person I'd say to look for is Terry McLaurin um, and maybe, uh, uh, maybe the uh, tight end they have. I think his name is... Uh, uh, Ricky Seals or something of that nature. I'm, I think I'm getting the name wrong, but, um, so we have to basically be alert about, uh, Terry McLaurin. They're probably going to try to line him up against Anthony Brown and either try to get cheap first downs the way the Raiders did, or they're probably going to try to burn them for, uh, some go routes, uh, or something of that nature, go routes, some, uh, post skin, you know, some, some post routes, I think they might try to. I might. They try, I think they might try to find a way to either get cheap yards on Anthony Brown or try to create the separation, um, or or quick separation or try to make it a foot race to beat Anthony Brown and try to get yards and points that way. Which brings us to why we need that pass rush as well to work. So that's a great thing that we're playing with a full deck on defense because. If we can, if we can uh, keep Heineke busy, or keep him off of his game and stop Gibson at the same time, then we can get that ball back in the hands of the offense, who we hope can actually sustain drives as they haven't done in the last couple of weeks. So hopefully, we can get that offense to sustain some drives and keep that defense fresh. Um, but the key right there is just making sure that you know we can. Uh, account for guys like McLaurin, Gibson, and Heineke. Um, keep Heineke from getting comfortable or, you know, doing any kind of effective scrambling. 
um, keep Gibson at bay and for McLaurin, if they're going to try to go at him, likely through Anthony Brown, I honestly think we're going to need to either put in a nickel corner, put in a Jordan, Jordan Lewis at nickel to help under the scheme or get some safety help for Anthony Brown. Because this is that time of season where I think they're looking at things like that and they're going to start trying to expose those kind of things. And they're going to try to um, run those kind of plays. So this is a time where I think Anthony Brown's going to need some over-the-top help or some extra help in the secondary. Um, so that, that's what I'm thinking uh, as far as the um, as far as the defense goes. But with having those, uh, those uh, players back, um, in the front seven and basically the job we know they can do, you know, you have Randy Gregory and Michael Parsons who can, uh, get to the backfield fast and disrupt things. Um, you got Neville Galmore and Oso Digizua, who I think honestly they'll make with Neville Galmore back. I think that the middle will definitely, uh, get more impactful play, um, the middle of the, um, uh, offense of uh, the defensive line, excuse me. I think they'll get more impactful play. And uh, I think, uh, you know, of course, having Micah Parsons in uh, in there as well, um, going at linebacker, and maybe even retching off the edge. Uh, Heineken's going to have to play a game of Where's Micah? Pretty much like the Where's Waldo. But he's not going to have the time he needs to find Micah because Micah playing at Micah's level. I think he can get back there, and the time he finds Micah is when the uh, play is over because he, he's either sacking an incomplete pass or the play just went nowhere. So it's going to be – it's just so many things on that defense that can click, and I think most Cowboys fans are looking forward to seeing what happens on that defense. But we all we want the offense to click and get back to its original form this from the earlier this season, but we're probably more excited to see what happens with the defense now that everybody's back in the saddle on that side of the ball. Um, my uh, final, my, my score prediction, it's going to be a lofty one. It's going to be an ambitious one. My score prediction, I say uh, 38-14 Cowboys. So I think uh, actually I'm gonna probably give it a f- give it maybe a five point win or so I'd say between 38 43 for the Cowboys and 14 and maybe give Washington an extra field goal. So I'll say between 38 14 Cowboys, 43 17 for the uh, Cowboys. So low end 38 for the Cowboys, 43 on the high end. 14 for uh, Washington on the low end, 17 on the high end. That's my score. Like I said, it's going to be an ambitious score, but I believe if everything is clicking as it should, then Dallas should be able to take care of business, and that could be the outcome. So we shall see coming into a – I mean, to this game, how that's going to work out. Uh, Another thing I want to cover here is uh, basically the reaction to Mike McCarthy coming coming fresh out of the COVID-19 protocol. Um, 
basically saying that the Cowboys will win the game. Basically saying that he's confident the Cowboys can and will win the game. Um, and then Dak Prescott basically confirming he believes that they can win. Okay. The thing is, you have some of Cowboys Nation worried that that's going to put a battery in the back of the Washington football team and they're going to come out and play extra hard. Um, my, I guess I, I do understand where that sect of Cal, of Cowboys Nation is coming from. But also, I understand that, but also, I'm of this sentiment. Over the last decade plus, we've seen the Cowboys, or at least I've seen the Cowboys. In my opinion, I've seen the Cowboys acting as diplomats of professional football. You know, go in and likely you know, try to be sportsmen and act and carry themselves as sportsmen and, you know, not really get into the back and forth of most of the games. Uh, rather let your play do the talking. Understandable, commendable, understood. But I've also seen some teams get into the chatter, uh, giving sound bites. And then if they should happen to come out on top against the Cowboys, instead of, you know, taking the road the Cowboys might take, the diplomatic sportsman role, they'll basically hop right back on the soundbite train and go at the Cowboys again. You know? So, in that, and maybe this is coming from a fan perspective, um, seeing that happen so much to a team that has so much talent, you know, where, where they just kind of come out flat because nobody really gives them that kind of motivation in their own ranks. It's just a wait-and-see approach. My, my question is, why not have that confidence? Not arrogance. Not arrogance. I'm not talking about being arrogant. But why not have that kind of confidence so to say we can beat these guys because we know what we can do, because we know how we can play, how we can operate. We know the level we can take it to. So why not have that confidence? Why criticize having that confidence? You know, basically, if you're not going to feel that way, even though you might not publicly vocalize it again, an understood path, but if you feel like you want to publicly vocalize it because you feel that way so passionately, why not? Why not feel that way? You know, I don't think there's anything arrogant saying I'm confident that we can win. To paraphrase what Mike McCarthy actually said, I'm confident in that. I believe we can. He's like, we will win this game. I'm confident in that. Just paraphrasing what he said. So there was no trash talk in that. That's basically just speaking into the team that he's coaching. So why not have that confidence? Is it because it's the Dallas Cowboys and they get so much, uh, so much attention from the media and so much attention from pundits and writers, beat writers, papers, things of that nature? You just gave them. A uh, day's worth of a story to run with. Is it that? Because the last time I checked, even the worst team in the league in a season 
gives the Dallas Cowboys their best shot. They seem to get up for the games against the Dallas Cowboys. So why not take that confidence and instill it in your players? Why not give your players that feeling that even getting the best shot this team has, we can still, we still have it within us and we can still muster up a better shot. Why not have that kind of confidence instead of saying, oh, we don't want to make anybody mad or, you know, they're going to give us their best shot. So we better, you know, keep our mouths shut. You're going to get their best shot whether you say anything or not. So why not instill that confidence into your team? Why not instill that confidence into your teammates that you fully, wholeheartedly, and unquestionably believe in them? Why not give that confidence to them? Why not let them know that you've still got their back even when they're going to get another team's best shot because they're the Dallas Cowboys, because they have that attention, because eyes are on them season in, season out. Why not give them that confidence? Why not instill that into them that you believe in them, even though they're going, even though they're going to have to um, tread a road where these teams are literally loading up everything to give them all they've got. Look at the Raiders; they gave the Cowboys their best shot, and they flamed out against the Reds. Uh, excuse me, against the Washington Football Team, flamed out against the Washington Football Team. These teams are going to give you the best shot. So instead of worrying about getting that team's best shot, you have to reassure and make the confidence known in your team. So why not? Why can't you feel that confident? Is it going to be the prying eyes and the the, 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 the laughing, the laughing uh, critics, pundits, is it going to be that kind of stuff? Are you afraid of that? It happens regardless. If you win, you just beat a team that's under 500. If you lose, you lost to a team that's under 500. And the Cowboys are, um, you know, are who are who they thought they are. And they always come back to form where they fall apart at the end of the season. You're going to get it either way. So you might as well go at it with an attitude of, you know, forget what they think. It's about what we think. Why not do that? Why should, why, why should, I'm to a point where, you know, it's happened so much, you know, to this team. Why shouldn't the team just say, you know what, forget, forget being Mr. Nice Guy. We're just going to, we're just going to walk our walk. Now, McCarthy did talk that. So the team is going to have to walk the walk. So why not just say, you know what, forget it. Let's just walk the walk. The execution's up to the team anyway. So, why not have that attitude? Why not? Fans, things that nature say they want Dallas because they believe that Dallas is, uh, they believe that the Dallas Cowboys are, are, are a pretender, cream puff team. But why not feel like we have it in us to prove them wrong? Why not take that attitude? Why not walk in there with that kind of attitude and then put it upon ourselves to go and perform? Because it basically challenges and holds accountable each team, each team member in that locker room. And if they can perform to the potential that we've seen them perform up to this season before they hit the rough patch that was November, 
they can perform at that level, it can be done. Again, this is not to incite arrogance. It is to support carrying a confidence that isn't publicly spoken so often. Why not speak that confidence, then turn around and walk with that confidence? Why not talk the talk and walk the walk? Why 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 do why do we have to why why do we as fans feel like we have to fear the other team? I mean, I've seen this diplomatic attitude and then the fallout of a loss turn into more talking, more bragging rights and more, you know, basically the I told you we could get them attitude. I've seen that happen to this team a lot. So now. I feel as though the Dallas Cowboys should just go, well, why can't we talk it? I mean, we've tried the other way. The other way, if things don't work out, we still get, you know, get in the neck. Going to get in the neck anyway, however the game turns out. So why not walk with that confidence? And to me, I think at this point, this juncture where a culture change is needed, you know, the nice guy culture is not working out for Dallas, in my opinion, a culture change. It's not even needed because the culture you can see it you can see it change changing in the Dallas Cowboys since the end of the last coaching era, but I think a statement in that culture change needs to be made, and why not make that statement? Why not go ahead and just make that statement and go ahead and instill that confidence? Why not do it? Why not come out and just do it now? Why not so I support McCarthy instilling that confidence in his team, and I support the quarterback, Dak Prescott, confirming said confidence. Now, the onus is going to be on the players, but I believe that they're up to the challenge, which is why my prediction of the score is the way it's going to be, which is why my prediction of the score is my prediction. So, why not just walk with that confidence? And I believe they can do it too. I believe they can do it. And just let that confidence show on the field. That's all they got to do. You can talk the talk, walk the walk. And I believe these Cowboys can do it. I believe it. So if they want Dallas, give them Dallas. Give them a Dallas with a top-scoring offense and a defense that can disrupt plays and take away the ball. Give that Dallas to them. Go right ahead. Give it to them because I believe you still can. If they want Dallas, give it to them. Well, that's all I'm going to say today um, be watching the game and hoping that uh, the outcome turns out very favorable I hope we can go ahead and bring this win back 
and hoping that that confidence that uh, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott instilled in that in that roster shines, shows, and gets results, which I believe it can. But well, our eyes will be on the game, and as usual, it's hoping to see that win come through. But. I will be um, talking to you all after the game at some point in time during the week. And we'll discuss what happened. So, game day is coming upon us. I say sit back, watch, enjoy, and root on the Cowboys. Well, until I uh, talk to you all again. I want to thank you for tuning in to listen to the Armchair Champion Podcast. So, I say take care, God bless, and I'll see you on the sidelines. Thanks for listening. Peace.